Sunday Night Football coming up from Seattle. Seahawks and Eagles as we are into the month of December. Recording this on a Thursday morning. We will post this on a Friday morning here on 1029thegame.com. This is the Game Plan Podcast alongside Brian Perkins. I'm Judah Newby. Seahawks typically get hot this time of year, but the context of December 2017 is a tad different, Perkins, than it's been in years previous. The Seahawks feeling the urgency, despite a 7-4 and four record, not bad for this time of year, but considering the schedule up to this point and the schedule that's still in front of them and the depth chart right now, this is an important time for Seattle, and they get a red-hot Philadelphia Eagles team. You look at winning percentages um, or strength of schedule up to this point, Seattle has had one of the easiest schedules And we this knew season. that coming it, in. That's that was one of the thing. reasons it was such an exciting year because the preseason outlook in terms of strength of schedule seemed to be pretty manageable. Yeah, 13 wins was, wasn't out of the question you're talking. I mean, wow. like— I forgot about that, but you're right. I mean, seriously, I thought they were going to win 13 games, you yeah. know, with the way the schedule lined up. I mean, you're going, God, your toughest, your only 10 a.m. road game is against Jacksonville. and even, Which, by the way, has been moved to a 125 game. It has. It's going to be another late kickoff. <laughs> <laughs> no 10 a.m. games this whole no year. No 10 a.m. games this year. And then you look at the last month of the season, they have one of the hardest schedules based on who they're playing via win percentage. So, you know, Seven and four, you go, well, they were seven and four a couple years ago when they went to the playoffs and I think lost to Carolina in the divisional round mm-hmm. that season. They won 11 games that year. Not, no big deal. Well, it is when you didn't make hay when the sun is shining. Guess what? Tropical Storm Seahawk has rolled in <laughs> and there's no more hay to be made. Now you have to face some real legitimate competition. And guess what? They have not played well against real legitimate competition. Seattle looks like one of those teams this year, Judah, that's better than like all the bad teams but not any better than all the good teams. Well, like that, that's how they look right now, and injuries have not helped that. Injuries have not helped that, absolutely. Not having Cam Chancellor and Richard Sherman will make this potential December run to the playoffs even more challenging. How much more challenging, I guess? It, let's talk about that a little bit more, just from the defensive standpoint. Say they need to make a run. So right now they are 7-4. and four. So they need to go. They need three to get at least to ten and six, they right? Need to go three and three and three two. and two the rest of the way. Yep. With teams versus Philly, at Jacksonville versus the Rams, at Dallas and versus Arizona. So what does that mean starting for the defense? Considering no Cam Chancellor, no Richard Sherman, no Cliff Averill, banged up Michael Bennett. What do they need to do? How good do they need to be? Are we talking top 10 defense or are we talking they've got to be top five in order to drive the team to the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I I just look at it's going to be hard either way because you look at even last year, Carson Wentz did not look good against Seattle. He threw two picks. Do you know who had those two interceptions? Probably Sherman Dog Millionaire. Sherman and Chancellor. Mm. So, I mean, it's just it's just kind of funny when you look at that now. I don't think the defense has to be top five for them to to win. I do think they need to be probably top 12-ish. I don't even know if they need to be top 10 because you have an offense that if you – it looks like Bevel and Pete Carroll are starting to slowly but surely realize change is not swift with anything in football that, A, you can utilize Russell's legs on the goal line. You don't have to throw passes over the freaking middle when you're inside the five-yard line. So they've gotten better in the red zone. They've started utilizing Jimmy Graham a lot more in effective ways in the end zone and Russell Wilson's legs, as we saw last week, right? Um, so the offense is looking better, still not great, but better <laughs> in a lot of ways. 
So I don't know if the defense has to be what they've been in the years pa- in years past because we're talking about uh, look at the competition they're going up against. The Cowboys haven't scored ten or more points in three straight weeks. J- Jaguars have Bortles. You know the Cardinals are on like their fifth string. It's like Blaine Gabbert is their quarterback right now. Um, so the Eagles are obviously a different team, and the Rams as well. But I feel like if you can be a consistent defense and force a, a turnover a game. You know, be a good defense, but you don't have to be great. I think that's going to be enough for them to at least be in games. And it helps that the two toughest quarterbacks you face, Wentz and Goff, you're both getting to face at home. The thing is, the Seahawks need their defensive home swagger back because, let's be honest, it hasn't been the same. Two straight home losses and the home win that they did have, they got shredded by Deshaun Watson, right? So, I mean, the defensive swagger needs to return. Remember, it wasn't so long ago. We're going into Century Link Field as an opposing quarterback starting against the Seattle defense was an impossible task. Last year, Carson Wentz, you mentioned the two interceptions. He finished 23 of 45, 45 pass attempts because Seattle was up in that game 26 to 7 late in the fourth quarter. 23 of 45 for 218 yards, two touchdowns, two picks, 4.8 yards per attempt. <laughs> I mean, it was a really, really good de- effort by the Seattle defense, and they sacked him twice as well. Now, you can't really expect that this time because Wentz is coming in with a hot hand, an MVP caliber season. If the season ended today, he'd be named NFC or NFL MVP as well. But the idea that Seattle, I don't think, will win the Philly game or win the Rams game unless the defense plays at home, the way that they're capable of playing at home, circa 14, 15, 16. Would you agree with that? Or are they okay as they are right now? Keep in mind, Deshaun Shedd will be coming back. Eventually. Maybe Michael Bennett gets healthy at some point along the way or healthier. He's still been playing okay. He just hasn't been playing dominant. And you have a potential defensive player of the year candidate in Bobby Wagner, who that narrative has been surfacing this week as well after his outstanding game against San Francisco. And again, he's second in the league in tackles with 100. You know, So where does that put the Seattle defense? Are they still an intimidating force, or are they still a, a defense that can come away with like a three-interception game? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that your silver lining right now is you have two players on defense that are playing like they're the best player in their position in the league, in Earl Thomas and in Bobby Wagner. And I think you're hoping that those two guys continue to play at an all-world level. You have uh, McDougald, who's looked pretty good, wouldn't you say? I, I mean, would. But I would. Much know. better than um, what they had to deal with the last few seasons when Chancellor or Earl Thomas went out. Yeah. So, you know, um, and then, you know, Coleman's had his moments. Jeremy Lane looked better against San Francisco. Byron Maxwell looked pretty good. I think he's the one that gave up the touchdown late in the game, but who cares? Um, you know, it was relatively meaningless. Um, is Shaq Griffin going to be back in this game? You know, he was out with a concussion last week. So, uh, you know, I look at it and I go, look, there are some good players on defense, but this isn't going to be the same. Teams aren't intimidated by the home crowd like they used to be. Teams aren't intimidated by a defense that's missing two of their best players in the secondary. You know, I, I just think that this is a different team and more pressure has to be put on the offense. The offense can't play the conservative, it's okay if we don't score this drive because the defense is going to get a stop. You can't play with that mindset anymore because that's no longer this team, not with the injuries that they have. That's right. Seattle defensively will be tasked to stop a Philadelphia offense that is third currently in DVOA, and they're led by Carson Wentz. We mentioned his stats last year in Seattle. 
And right now he's on pace to be the NFL MVP. He's just having an outstanding season on pace for 41 touchdown passes. He currently has 28 touchdown passes as well. But it's not only Wentz, it's the rushing attack that Philadelphia poses with four running backs, most notably Jay Ajayi, LeGarrette Blunt, Wendell Smallwood, Corey Clement, and even at a fifth in there in uh, Kenyon Barner, who's still on that roster as well and has scored a touchdown or two this season. And their dominant offensive line. Jason Kelsey at center, having one of the best seasons of his career, if not of any center in the NFC right now. You've got Isaac Samalu, former Oregon State guy at left guard that's playing well. Brandon Brooks at right guard, he's playing well. Lane Johnson, the all-pro man at right tackle. And Jason Peters at left tackle, even though he's out for the year. Matt Tobin. Matt Tobin is on this team? Did they just sign him? I just noticed him second on the depth chart. Remember, wasn't he on this team like last week? (laughs) What the hell happened? Maybe it's just for scouting reports, but uh, regardless, uh, I think I think Vitae. There it is. Yeah, Halapulivati Vitae has been the one playing that left tackle in place of Jason Peters. In any case, what I mean is the uh, Eagles without Jason Peters have still been able to run the football very effectively. Perkins and then build off of that with play action. I noticed this too. They're averaging thirty-three pass attempts a game and thirty-two rush attempts per game. Can't get much more balanced than that. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's so funny because the parallels are strikingly similar to Russell Wilson's second season in the NFL. Not the touchdown numbers, obviously, but you just look at the the Eagles. Strong running game, really good defense, and a quarterback that really can take advantage of that. And he's swinging it. They're giving him a lot more freedom than Seattle gave Russell Wilson, you know, in his second year. But, you know, this is a team... People are like, well, the Eagles are young, and I, I was kind of thinking the same thing. Like, oh, it's a second-year quarterback. And then I'm like, wait a minute. Didn't Ben Roethlisberger go to a Super Bowl his second year? Didn't Russell Wilson win a Super Bowl his second year? Ben Roethlisberger as well. We all remember that Super Bowl. I mean, it's just interesting because you you look at that and you go, oh, wow. Um, yeah, it doesn't matter if it's his second year or not because he has the pieces around him as well to, I mean – I mean, to be the best team in the NFL, and that's what they're playing like right now. Well, and he's making those pieces better, not to discount his own talent. To be Arguably, he has lesser talented pieces than Russell had, but he's making them better. Torrey Smith, Alshon Jeffrey, Zach Ertz, those guys are still pretty good. I'm an Alshon Jeffrey good. fan, but I get yeah, what you're saying. No, he's, yeah, but you look at you know their backfield, too. Who scares you the most in that Philly backfield? Ajayi. He's really good. The only detriment to Ajayi's career has been his knees. In terms of talent... He's good. Multiple 200-yard rush games. You would take any of those guys in that backfield over what Seattle has. Hell yeah. Well, except maybe McKissick. I mean, McKissick's played well, so it's it's you don't want to discount him. But he's played well. But I mean, like okay, Ajayi, Legarrette Blunt. You take both of those guys in a heartbeat. Yeah, to carry the rock on first and second down. And then you got Smallwood. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Fantastic name. Then you got uh, who's the the other Clement? Yeah, Clement. I mean, all these guys. Yep. I mean. The Seahawks have Eddie freaking Lacey. I just saw this uh, headline on ESPN. (laughs) A North Carolina man has filed a lawsuit against Fletcher Cox, Eagles defensive tackle. (laughs) Do you know what the lawsuit is for? No. Alienation of affection, which basically means he's suing Fletcher Cox for ruining his marriage. The man says that he learned in September of text and Snapchat mas- messages between his wife and Fletcher Cox 
including explicit photos and discussions of having children together. <laughs> he says his wife met Cox during a work trip to Pennsylvania in April, and she moved there in October. He is The man is seeking $50,000 in damages to seek mental health treatment for substantial emotional distress. Uh, that's hilarious. It's not that funny, but hey, I can't believe you could sue for that. First of all, 500 grand. I'm going to run down some folks that may have caused me emotional distress along the way. I didn't know you could sue someone for breaking up a marriage, for being I, a homewrecker. I did not know that either. Um, Fletcher Cox rocks a lot of things, wrecks a lot of things, most notably offensive lines, but apparently he wrecks homes as well. Wow. That's like a game check for him, though. Yeah, so 50K maybe is like low. I thought he would be suing for no, like a million. No, 500K. Oh, I thought you said 50K. 500K is significantly more. 500K. Because that's Half like he's suing dollars. for like 5 million bucks or something, probably. Half a million dollars. But that's still, I mean, that's got to be a game check. Yeah. Right? He's making multi-mil. So you're saying what? He's going to be distracted uh, come He's going to be distracted and not motivated because he knows he's playing for free in this game. <laughs> well, he hasn't lost the lawsuit, has he? He's just being sued. I'm looking for any storyline I can get. How about this one? Seahawks most notably very good in December. <clears throat> 2012, they came into the month of December 6-5. and five. They went 5-0 and oh to finish 11-5. and five. Obviously, go to the divisional round of the playoffs. 2013, here's a parallel with this year's Eagles team. 2013, Seahawks were 10-1 and one going into December. What'd they do? They went 3-2. and two. Still got the one seed in the NFC. They had that bad loss to Arizona at home, right? But I had the home loss to Arizona. I remember I missed that game. I had to go to a family Christmas party, and I was so pissed because I wanted to watch it. And then I was like, okay, I'm not mad that I missed this game because I probably would have been very angry the entire time. Didn't Drew Stanton come in in that game too? Like Carson no, Palmer was injured or something? Was or? that the Stanton game? Was that the God, that sucks. I can't remember. Yes. but Because they, be, they won in Seattle on Sunday Night Football, and that was the Stanton celebration game. Stanton, damn. It kind of annoys me. I don't know why, but... 2014, Seahawks were 8-4 and four going into December. They went 4-0. Got the number one seed with a 12-4 and four record. 2015, they came in 6-5. and five, Went 4-1. and one, Finished 10-6 and six in the sixth seed. And then, of course, last year they came in 7-3-1. And, and finished 3-2 and two in December for the three seed. Here is Philly's schedule. Tell me that they can't go three and two with this remaining schedule. At Seattle, at LA Rams, there are your two losses. At New York Giants, versus Oakland, versus Dallas. You don't think they can stumble up twice along the way there? I think they could. Yeah, I mean, there's some decent team. I mean, you know, Dallas is still dangerous, even though they're, you know, is was Zeke coming back at right. a different team, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they're still not last year's Dallas Cowboys even no. with Zeke back. I mean, we saw what they were before he left, and they still weren't a very intimidating team. I mean, to me, that that screams one loss, probably, between those I just look games. at Philly, and I see a 13-3 and team. I don't see a 14-2 and team. And maybe that's just semantics. Maybe it's start. I mean, labeling. look, it, it, a win against Philly would go a long way for Seattle, especially with the Eagles then needing to beat the Rams, to you know, having a sense of urgency against yeah. the Rams. I mean, that would be a big deal. I just don't think it's going to happen, but we'll see. Um, the Eagles have not played a lot of good teams this year. They either. have not, yeah. They have not played a, that great schedule. They beat one team with a winning record. That's what I'm saying. The same number as the Seahawks. Well, they're about to – well, we'll get that in a second. 
Seattle offensive line against the Philly defensive line. You're looking at Brown, Jokel, Britt, Posick, and Effetti against Vinnie Curry, Timmy Jernigan, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, Derek Barnett, Chris Long, and the linebackers they have as well. Uh, this is going to be the toughest matchup of the year in terms of offense and defensive line. The silver lining is this is the best offensive line they have yielded all year, Seattle. So, yes, toughest matchup, but you look at that O-line, it's littered with only first and second round guys, you know, perennial starters in the NFL. Well, it's a top five offensive line in terms of potential. <laughs> well, you look you look at last week, and they were an average offensive line, which is, I think, the best you can hope for at this point is that you want them to be like, like, oh yeah, they had they had some bad moments, but for the most part, they held up. Like that's that's the best you can hope for this year. You know what I mean? This like, defensive line though that they're facing is the best in football, best run defense, and best pass rush. Effetti's gonna get creamed. Over under two and a half penalties on Effetti of any sort. I'm gonna take the over. Uh, I'm gonna take the under. I'm talking false starts. Yeah, I'm going to take the under, likes. but if you had like over, under, like four hurries allowed, <laughs> I'd probably take the over. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of those, which brings me to the fact if Russell Wilson is going to be hurried all the time in, in scramble drill, how successful of a day is he going into half against Philadelphia and Jim Schwartz, who's one of the best defensive coordinators in football? Will he employ the strategy of trying to contain Wilson in the pocket, rushing guys up the field, but to stay there and instead of rushing to sack him? Or will he employ rushing to sack him and will Wilson be sacked or will he be able to have one of those days where he can escape and make big plays outside the pocket? Keep in mind, Philly hasn't allowed a quarterback to rush for more than 71 yards this year. That was Cam Newton back in week six. And quarterbacks are averaging 5.94 yards per carry against Philadelphia for what that is worth. Well, I think the big factor, too, is weather. You know, it's it's at this point in Wilson's career, you know that weather has a pretty significant impact on how he throws the ball. And it looks like the weather's supposed to be, I think, pretty decent on Sunday. Um, the wind really gets to him, but rain as well. Um, and if the weather holds up, I think you have to rush to sack. You can't force him to throw in the pocket because you look at the way he's connected with Jimmy Graham as of late, despite Graham's alligator arms every now and then. You look at Doug Baldwin, who's been who was really quiet last week. Um who's ready for a prime for a big game, Paul Richardson, how well he's been playing. I mean, you can't give him time to find those weapons because they will make plays. You know, as long you know, the weather is going to be a big factor, though. Eagles secondary has been pretty decent this year. They've been banged up at times, but Malcolm Jenkins still playing well, um, as is Patrick Robinson, but they all they also got Ronald Darby back after an injury early in the season. It's still just overall a really impressive unit. Now, I think their strength is up front, and then it regresses as you get to the linebackers and to the secondary. But overall, it's still third in the league in DVOA. I mean, that's going to be a tough matchup. Jimmy Graham, this might be the time to make that money. Like, he's been obviously getting into the end zone at times, but this might be his Buffalo game from last year where he has two incredible touchdown catches to help get a win. They're going to need guys to make some pretty incredible plays in this game offensively. I mean, you're well, how many points do you need to, to win this game, you think? I think 30. 30? That's what I'm thinking, too. And, I, I, and I'm just thinking 30 points against the – I think it, it's a lot like the Atlanta game in terms of, you know, what kind of score it might be. It's just a matter of are you going to make the play at the end to win. And not only that, will Blair Walsh make a field goal? That's I, a good point. I mean, that's – you know, he, I hate 
defending the guy a little bit because he has not played. He's made five of his last ten field goal attempts. That's terrible. But he has been put in some precarious situations. Um, I feel like like the 53-yarder he had to attempt was like, I don't know, like just not great conditions. Like I get why he missed that ball, but, I mean, you can't have him out here missing 35, 40-yarders. I mean, you need to have a guy that you have faith in making those field goals mm-hmm. or you're in trouble. I mean, you're in big trouble because the special – I mean – in that Washington game, Seattle wins if he makes field goals. I mean, that's just that's how it is, without a doubt. That's that's the situation. So, man, that I mean, it's true. And for against, as banged up as this team is, that they could be nine and three right now. Yeah, nine and two right now. They could be, but they're not because they don't because of some certain mistakes that they made. But and does that not give you a little bit of hope? I don't think they're going to get the doors blown off, but. I don't know if I've seen anything that makes me go, oh, yeah, they're going to correct all their issues going into this game. Against a team like Philly, you're going to have to play not perfect football, but close to it. And I just don't think Seattle has that in them. Seahawks plus six at home. Crazy. Six-point underdog And pretty at much home. everyone's in picking against time. them. All the, all the major pundits are picking against them. Of course. Which, which I don't blame them. But who would have thought that Seattle, prime time at home, would be a six-point underdog to anybody? No one would pick them to win. It's crazy. Let's talk uh, playoff picture for just a second here. The LA Rams are eight and three. So here's my thing, Perkins. If the Seahawks make the playoffs, more likely as NFC wild card, usurping Carolina or Atlanta, or more likely as usurping the Rams for the NFC West. I think it's beating the Rams. I think you're right. I still think it's beating the Rams. In the end, that's your best opportunity. All right, well, let's start there. Here's the Rams schedule currently at 8-3 and three at Arizona. Win. Versus Philly. Loss. 9-4. and four. You're on the wagon. I, I, you're on the I wagon. really like it. You think it. they beat Philly? I think they can. All right, so 10-4. and four. I think Philly has a regression in December is what I mean. 10 and 3. Sorry. I don't think Philly's going to go 15 and 1 like Carolina a couple years ago. At Seattle. I guess for the sake of argument we'll say loss. At Tennessee, win. Versus San Francisco, win. So here's what I'll do. I'll say they go 1 and 1 between the Philly and Tennessee games. Okay. They will lose the Seattle game. And they will beat Arizona San Francisco. So that's 11 and 5. So that's eleven and five. So what does Seattle have to do to get to eleven and five? To win four of their last six. To win or four, four of the last, last five. five. Sorry, math. Philly, Jayville, Rams, Dallas, Arizona. What's the one they lose? Philly, and then win four in a row to win the division. Do you like that narrative? Because I kind of like that narrative. That's. I, I think also kind of like you're going to have to take. <laughs> what if they win everything but lose to the Rams? Then it goes to what? Conference record? Doesn't it go to division record? Or does it go conference record? I hope it goes division record. Because Seattle would be five and one. Yeah. And what but the Rams would be five and one. So then it probably would go division record. So Conference record. Conference record, excuse me. Look, if Seattle wins four of their last five, they're getting in whether it's a, in my opinion, they're getting in whether it's a wild card. Yeah, or eleven and five is gonna do it. So yeah. I mean you obviously want the home game. But that's but, what I mean. Yeah, but but that's I'm fleshing out that argument though. If we say their best chance 
I is the feel, division, then that would be 11-5 and five given the Rams' next schedule, right? I don't feel as badly about the Jacksonville game as I think I used to. Me too. I feel like Seattle can win that game, and I think they're going to. Late game, too. And I think they're going to beat Dallas. I feel better about that, too. Mm-hmm. I just don't see how they beat Philadelphia. <laughs> I just don't think they're as good as Philadelphia. So, I'm, But I think that it's possible that they win 11 games. It's still kind of a crapshoot, you know, with, with everything with injuries and things like that. But, I mean... You know, they still control their own destiny, which is nice. That is nice, yeah. <laughs> Minnesota's remaining schedule. They're currently 9-2, and two, Minnesota. At yeah, at, I could have been more wrong about them, but go at, on. At Atlanta this Sunday. At Carolina the Sunday after that. Versus Cincy. At Green Bay versus Chicago. Three winnable games, obviously, there at the end, but consecutive road games at Atlanta, at Carolina, that's not easy for them. Yeah, maybe twelve and four at worst. I have twelve and four. The Saints are eight and three. What the hell? The Saints are home to Carolina. That's a big game. At Atlanta. Versus New York Jets. Versus Atlanta. At Tampa Bay. So I think at this point, if you're a Seahawks fan, you're rooting for give me Atlanta schedule. Give me Atlanta schedule. Versus Minnesota. Versus New Orleans, at Tampa, at New Orleans, versus Carolina. Boy, they're gonna. There's gonna be a lot of uh, oh, it's a freaking bloodbath tail in that conference. But I think right now you're rooting for Atlanta to win their conference because that division division, excuse me, because that gives the green light for Seattle in a wild card tiebreaker scenario. Well, here's Carolina's schedule: at the Saints versus the Vikings versus the Packers versus the Bucks. At the Falcons. Yes, that's right. Carolina has three home games in a row starting next week, and their two road games are at New Orleans and at Atlanta indoors. Like I said, I think at this point here, there's going to be a lot of a lot of of, of teams, you know, yeah. interdivision crime in that scenario. If I if I I broke this down, I said Minnesota would go twelve and four. New Orleans would go twelve and four, since Minnesota you beat think New, New Orleans, Orleans is better than Atlanta. They play each other twice. I, I split them. I said okay. those are one and one. But I think New Orleans will beat Carolina at home. They'll beat the Jets at home, and they'll beat the Bucks on the road, and they'll split the Atlanta games. If that happens, they go 12-4. and four. Okay. Probably win the division. I have Minnesota going 12-4. and four. They might be better. But Minnesota would have the two-seed over New Orleans at 12-4 and four because of the week one result. I would have the Rams at 11-5 and five in the four-seed, winning the NFC West. And then there would be three teams at 10 and 6. This is the wild card scenario. Three teams at 10 and 6, Falcons, Panthers, Seahawks. Which means Falcons get in. Well, we're talking about two spots, remember? But the Falcons would be one of them. But if it's a three-way tie, it doesn't go to head-to-head matchup. So if they all three are 10 and 6, it goes to a different tiebreaker scenario. So the fact that Atlanta defeated Seattle doesn't actually matter in that case if all three are 10 and 6. It only matters because I believe it goes conference record at that point, which would still hurt Seattle because they've lost two freaking interconference games. Yeah, but if they go ten and six, here here's okay, three or more clubs apply the division tiebreaker to eliminate all by the all but the highest ranked club in each division. So the Atlanta Carolina 
would have their own comparison set to determine who gets the first edge. That's what I meant. So, and I think Atlanta, who plays Carolina Week 17 at home, I think, I guess I had them. But You have Atlanta with the tiebreaker there, I think, with the way you have that. Yeah, and I'm not sure if I thought that all the way through yet, but that's what I had. I had Atlanta as the tiebreaker as the five seed, and then between Seattle and Carolina for the sixth seed. Of course it comes. To, it would come down to Seattle, Carolina. Right. Right now, by the way, Carolina is four and three against the NFC, and Seattle is five and three. Now, if Seattle lost twice to NFC opponents the rest of the way, that would obviously you're looking at them being, (laughs) you know, whatever, seven and five. I think. I think what we're seeing is run the table, (laughs) run the damn table. I think maybe you got to get to eleven. You might have to get to eleven to to be assured a wild card spot. I think eleven wins will get you that. I think. Is there any chance they get to eleven? Yeah. We weren't saying that last week. I would week. say there's a... We said last week that there were at least two losses. I would say there's a 40% chance they get to 11. That's pretty high. 40%. The more I see 40% these, chance that they go 4-1. and one. I think the problem was, I'm looking at how flawed Seattle is, but not looking at how flawed the teams they're playing are. I th- Seattle is good enough to be in the games against, let's just say, LA and... They can, and they're going to be in all these games. Yes. So I still think that they're going to win one. They're going to split between Philly and LA. And I think that there's a good chance that they can win those final, those other three games. I mean, I really do. So maybe not. Okay. Maybe I'm over it. Maybe 35%. Well, titch down, but I like it still. Um, All right. Again, we're recording this on a Thursday going into a Friday. You want to pick these games? Let's do it. Uh, let's go ahead and pick the Thursday game while we get a chance. Redskins, Cowboys, and Dallas. Redskins a two-point road favorite. What's Washington's record right now? Five and six. That's the team you're rooting against. Though, they can at best get to ten and six if they run the table, which they won't. Uh, give me Dallas. I think Dallas uh, gets a win. I'll take Washington. Um, Vikings, Falcons, and Atlanta. We were just talking about this game. Falcons. I'll take the Falcons. Well, you're up on me by like 60 anyway, right? Oh, yeah, 65, I think. Patriots, Bills, in Buffalo. The Tyrod Taylor revenge game? Revenge game? I don't know. Give me the Patriots. Let's no. <laughs> try to come up with a narrative. I'll give the Patriots as well. 49ers, Bears, in Chicago. Uh, who cares? Oh. I think is the correct answer to this question. How about Jimmy Garoppolo starting against former 49ers? Is he defensive... officially going to start? Yeah. Okay. Against former Niner defensive coordinator Vic Fangio. Niners win. I'll go Niners. Two young quarterbacks, though, going head to head. Interesting. Bucks, Packers, and Green Bay. God, out of Packers. Green Bay. Texans, Titans, and Tennessee. God, these games are bad. Uh, Titans. Titans are hardly impressive, but I'll go with them as well. Broncos, Dolphins, and Miami. God dang, do not make me watch this. These games are terrible. Uh, give me the, the Broncos. Mm. Break the winning streak. I'll take losing streak. Whatever. Chiefs, Jets, in New York. <laughs> My God. What the hell is wrong with me? Chiefs. Why, why are we alive? Colts, Jaguars, in Jacksonville. Oh, my God. These games are terrible. Jags. I'll take the Jags. I've got the best one for you, though, right here. The best one. This is the best... This is the most mediocre game I think we could ever think of. 
Lions Ravens. <laughs> <laughs> What's sad is one of those teams is in the playoff hunt. They're both technically in the playoff hunt. They're both six and five. That's true. But Detroit won't make it. I think Detroit's going to win this game. By the way, we haven't talked about this much. Do you think the Seahawks wish they had Alex Collins back? He's Baltimore's leading rusher. 630 yards this year and two touchdowns. Yeah. Would he be doing that in Seattle right now? Probably not. Nope. The Ravens have a really good offensive line, even though a couple guys are injured, but they've got a good offensive line. Yeah, we've seen this before. Running backs leave Seattle and have success. So yeah. Good for him. Happy for him. Uh, give me the Lions to win, I guess. Browns. Joe Char- Flacco is not good. Uh, yeah, not good. I'll take Detroit. Browns Chargers in L.A. Chargers. Giants Raiders in Oakland. Raiders. God, these games suck. Okay, here we go. Panthers Saints in New Orleans. Okay, good game. Is this the same time as the... Oh, no, it's not. The Seahawks play Sunday night. Give me the Aints. I uh, will uh, take Nolans. Rams, Cardinals, take the Rams. Monday Night Football, Steelers, Bengals, and Cincy. Steelers. Bengals are starting to play a little better. Yep. You never know. I'll take Cincy. What the hell? Redskins, Cowboys. Oh, we already did that one. <laughs> that brings us to our finale. Eagles, Seahawks, in Seattle. Perkins, how does this game go? And what is the final score? I think Seattle returns the opening kick to Philly's 35-yard line. And then Russell Wilson gets sacked. That is recency. Jermaine Fetty gets a gets a holding penalty, and Seattle punts from their own forty five. Um, no, I uh, <laughs> I've seen this movie before. <laughs> I think that this is going to be a, a a decent game, but I think that in the end, I just don't see how Seattle's defense is going to do enough to stop it. It's if if you're a one dimensional team, that's one thing, but that's what made Philly so good this year is that they can attack you so many different ways. And when you're missing the guys that Seattle is, I mean, we mentioned the secondary. How about Cliff Averill being out? Frank Clark has been astonishingly forgettable this year. Uh, you know, you couple the fact that Bruce Irvin or not Bruce Irvin, sorry. <laughs> oh boy, boy, this is going off the rails, isn't it? Bruce Irvin does not have one sack for the Seahawks this year. That's amazing, that? and I would not have predicted the that last two when he seasons. started the year on Oakland. <laughs> Incredible. I was just talking, sorry, I meant replacing Bruce Irvin. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, we haven't been rolling this whole time. I'm no, just kidding. All right, um, go ahead. So... So yeah. anyway, even though Bruce Irvin might not have a role tonight, he might not have a role. But the uh, I've, what I was saying was, is Seattle's front Clinton line, McDaniel, Clinton McDaniel, Tony McDaniel, <laughs> Tony, Tony McDaniel. Who was yeah. the other Clinton? Clint McDougal. What was his name? No, I can't remember. You remember the defensive tackle Clinton Dix? <laughs> oh. oh, there's the first name. <laughs> <laughs> Lofa Tatupu, I think, is the name you're looking for, by the way. He's going to have a big game. True Font in the secondary. Hopefully he can come in and have a few picks. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, okay. So, no, my... You got to remind me this guy's name. He was number 69. He was a defensive tackle. He had the fumble recovery at the end of the Washington playoff game in 2012, and it was on his birthday. Clint McDonald. That's it, right? Clinton McDonald? Wasn't it McDonald? Ronald, <laughs> Ronald's son, Clint, yes, Clinton McDonald, Clinton McDonald, got it. Thank he now you. plays for the Buccaneers. Got it. All right.
carry on. So you talk about the defensive line, though. Sheldon Richardson has played well. You know, he's uh, at times. It hasn't been, I think, what we expected him to be at all. It has not. But he's, I mean, he's had moments. I mean, you look at the havoc that he uh, wreaked there against the Niners. But the Cliff Averill injury has been a big deal because Frank Clark has not has not been a suitable replacement, in my opinion. Look at Michael Bennett struggling. I just think there's too many weapons. I don't know how you stop the offensive attack that is the Philadelphia Eagles. And I think that they score a lot of points in this game. Wow. I think they score 38 points in this game against Seattle. And I think that Seattle keeps it close for a while, but ends up, ends up not covering the spread. And they lose 28 to 38. Nice. I think the NFL has been weird this year. Been weird. It's been unpredictable. It's been as weird as the end of this able, podcast. You haven't been just about <laughs> almost, even with the edits. I think Seattle is going to go up seventeen nothing, and then fight for their lives. <laughs> I think How do they just, go up seventeen nothing? Is there a defensive like a Bobby Wagner pick six? There's going to be a defensive score early. Um, maybe Philadelphia's first or second drive, and. You're going to feel a cathartic moment in the stadium. Like, this is when the season turns around for Seattle. So, this is. We're taking on the NFL's best team, and we are on them by two and a half t- scores. So, th- this is a doubly bold prediction on your end. Oh, the yeah. defense is not only going to stop them early, mm-hmm. but the offense is actually going to drive down the field and score. Mm-hmm. And Blair Walsh is going to make a field goal. Mm-hmm. Man, you got three bold predictions in one. I like it. Yep. It's going to be 17 nothing early. The Eagles, of course, are going to rally because that's what they do. Um, and you're going to be holding on for dear life at the end, but Seattle is going to come out on top 32 to 29 in a wild Sunday night football game in Seattle on paper. There's no reason really for that. It's just, I think Seattle is going to still make the playoffs. I'm not entirely sure how, but in order for them to get into the playoffs, they win this game. And we talk about it on Monday and Tuesday and say, Boy, the NFL is just ridiculously unpredictable. 32 to 29. Mm-hmm. How do you get to 29? I don't know. I don't know how you get to 32. Three touchdowns with a missed PAT. There will probably be a safety in there. Look, PATs get missed all the time, missed two-point conversions, throwing a safety field goal. Isn't it four points if it hits the crossbar? <laughs> 32-29. I like it. By the way, the Super Bowl, I can't, I don't know why I know this. Super Bowl in 2003, Pats, Carolina. I was 32-29. So I don't know how they got there, but how do I know that? we got to wrap up the podcast here. He's Brian Perkins. I'm Judah Newby. I have a weird Seahawk win. He's got a blowout Seahawk loss. Ten points isn't a blowout. Perkins hates the Seahawks. They're going to lose. We'll talk about it all on Tuesday of next week. This is the Gameplay Podcast on 109thegame.com.